Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show, our guest today is Tommy Arciaga of Southside Boxing, coming to you from Lincoln, Nebraska. Tommy, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Doing great, Joe. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into this. I got to ask questions that I was interested in before we got into the interview here. So I have a pretty good background, but why don't you fill our listeners in for the people who aren't familiar with this gym, Southside Boxing Gym. Give us yeah. kind of your description of this. How? What is this in your own words? Uh, we are a uh, 501c3, a nonprofit organization. Um, we started about 18 years ago, uh, me and my former uh, trainer, John Kubler, um, and we just really, it's geared towards helping uh, disadvantaged youth. And we, we do the best that we can. I have a, a stable of great trainers, people that believe in my program. And it's, it's, it's really nice. It's taken off. Yeah. And so take us back to, to the early days of this. I want to kind of start at the, at the beginning and we'll work our way through here. When did this get off the ground and, and what was it that inspired all of this in your mind? Uh, I really just for me is just helping kids out. Um, you know, I, I was a professional boxer myself. Uh, I went through the ranks, silver gloves, um, fought uh, since I was seven years old. I'm 51 now, but um, I fought when I was seven years old till I was about 14, 15, took a little break. I ended up turning pro when I was 21 years old or 20 years old. And my former trainer, John Kubler, you know, we, we sat down, we talked about uh, a few things about why don't we start our own gym? So about 18 years ago, we started um, looking at facilities, uh, the area in which these facilities were at. And yeah, we, we found a, uh, a nice building uh, right in the um, inner city of Lincoln, Nebraska. And it just, that was what we did. And, and, and we found a lot of great kids in the area. Um, I was telling you this before, Mursad Bektik is his name. He's a UFC fighter. Um, he was about eight years old, eight or nine, walking in front of the gym. And I was like, hey, you kid, come here. And pulled him inside the gym. And uh, he was a great little boxer, phenomenal. And it's really crazy to see that uh, that I, I pulled him into our gym. And yeah. now now he's worldwide he's in Europe Humble beginnings it but... is it is it's really crazy to know that that yeah eight nine years yeah. old was the one that I grabbed him and he is uh he's a very popular person right now for context for people listening here Tommy you mentioned a couple of times the the origin of this the the idea behind it was to help disadvantaged youth is yeah. youth the only people that you work with or do you have some sort of adult component to this as well Oh, absolutely not. It, it grew from that point. We, we really were geared towards that and we still are, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, no, we, we help out uh, everybody. Um, the age brackets range from eight or seven. Actually, we have a seven, six-year-old kid in the gym now, um, six-year-old to all the way up to 60-year-olds. It, yeah. it, it, it's something for everybody, right? Yeah. It, there's, it's just about uh, working with people, uh, making them feel good about themselves, uh, um, you know, 
whatever we can to to make mm -hmm. a person you know yeah. thrive in life so now the the tax code designation is worth mentioning here you mentioned 503c nonprofit. what made you decide to go that route versus a, a traditional for-profit type business a 501c3 for us was um, pretty much to help write grants um and, and we've we've gotten we've we've written a few and received some help um from Got the it. local community and haven't written one in a while um but uh yeah it was just something yeah. that i thought would be good and, and we do get some assistance once in a while and the nonprofit designation does not mean that we don't need to make money. We still need to bring funds in in some capacity. It just sort of changes where those funds are allocated along the way. Before we talk about how the business functions now, Tommy, look back on, on the time that you've been doing this so far. What's been, what's been your favorite part about being affiliated with this? And what's been the most challenging part about running this kind of a business so far? Uh, I think you know the letters and and the 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 thank yous from the the parents. Um, you know, people pulled me aside ten years ago. I helped them figure things out in life. Uh, you know, things like that. The 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 pats on the back, the the appreciation the community gives me, um, and 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 just the one on one with with. Uh, it's a really really built family feeling once you come to our gym and belong to it. We really do help one another out. I'd yeah. say the most the most challenging part is, is the letters that I get um, from some of the youth from jail and, and from prison, you know, um, that will, they'll coach, I should have listened to you, you were right, you know, um, things like that, That that's, it breaks my heart. It, it, that's the only, that's the hardest part, knowing that some of these kids had the uh, ability to, they had the world by the grips of their hands or tips of their fingers, and, and they let it go by because of, you know, um, just not listening and, and, and thinking that their friends were gonna lead them in the right direction and it didn't happen. Yep. It, it unfortunately is what it is. Now take us to today, because you mentioned that we work with six years old through 60 years old. So we'll chalk it up to the, the bucket of marketing, but it could be any number of activities. What have you done over the years just to generate some interest in this, Tommy? How are we getting people in through the doors? What's worked well and maybe what hasn't worked so well for you? Um, I would say uh, what's worked really well is is just word of mouth. You know, uh, your word is everything. If you can't deliver something, don't say it. And I've always been like, I'm going to tell you the truth. If there's something that you don't want to hear, or if there's something that that you think somebody needs to sugarcoat it for you, I'm not the right person to talk to. I just I shoot people straight. Um, what I tell you is what I tell you, and I mean what I say. Um, and it's word of mouth has really helped out. What hasn't helped um, are people that are that you surround yourself with that are in it for the wrong reasons. That that's that's not good. And and you can tell who those people are. I mean, you'll you'll get a good feel for it. And and you know, I've had to have some trainers that I've asked not to come back. Um, and and you know, comes with the territory at yeah. least. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. Word of mouth has been 
the main driver for right. you and it somewhat makes sense being the nonprofit nature have you guys spent any kind of money in marketing or advertising along the way or has this been fully organic i'd say fully organic i think it's just been the fact that it's just people that really you know just word of mouth and know that when you hear something like boxing gym from lincoln Nebraska, that we're a very very um respected organization i mean we talk about uh sobriety um staying away from drugs um no drug it's no it's a drug-free zone um mm. we don't tolerate you know any nonsense whatsoever and we will kick people out in a heartbeat if they think they can come into the facility smelling like you know marijuana or or, or alcohol in the breath you know being yeah. hung over we, we will kick them out i don't care who you are so yeah and so we're happy to to break ties with a client if they aren't the right fit um on the on the specifics of the advertising or marketing piece we haven't done it yet do you think that there will come a time where that would be useful for you or is there a reason why we haven't so far um we've been very fortunate so i mean i i eventually will we do a little bit more absolutely um is we it? just uh we just joined, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Calculated Violence and MMA Gym just joined us. So okay. I know he's just beginning. So we'll probably do some more marketing with the jujitsu, with the MMA stuff yep. with, you know, with him. Um, and then put our brand Southside Boxing Gym alongside the MMA part of it, which is okay. rarely unheard of. Yeah. I want to explore the next step in the process. Obviously, just marketing and getting leads is one half of the equation. I want to pick your brain on how people actually go about signing up for this and kind of compare and contrast being a nonprofit versus a for-profit gym. When somebody reaches out to you guys and, and is interested in coming to the gym, what happens? How do they actually go about signing up to become a member or a client? They just call. They they call. They go online. We're on Facebook, Southside Boxing Gym, um, and, and and like I said, we're really really fortunate to have a big strong name brand in in the local area, and so I'm not too hard to find. Um, and as I was telling you the other day, we just bought a uh, three million dollar facility um, that is right in the face of downtown Lincoln, or it's off of downtown Lincoln, but it's we're right off the university. Um, that facility is six acres, um, built on a six acre uh, lot. Um, and it's, it was a very predominantly known, uh, champions fund center. And, and so people know where we, where, where it's at and it's right off a busy street. So there's eye candy involved as well. Sure, 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 sure. And so help us with like the, the actual tactical part of this. Somebody they call, they're interested in coming to the gym. Do they, they come in and sit down and have some sort of consultation? Are they signing up over the phone? What are they actually signing up for? Is this a monthly thing? Are they paying per class? Tell us about that. So they call me and let's just say Mary, Mary Jo calls and says, hey, I have a son, Timmy. He's 13 years old. Um, he's been being picked on at school. Um, I think he needs to learn how to protect himself, yada, yada. So what we'll do is say, okay, come bring Timmy down because he's under of age. You need to sign a waiver form. Um, we take donations. We'd like at least a minimum of 35 a month if you can afford that. It's not a lot of money. Just helps pay, you know, for utilities or whatever it may be. Um, Mom will bring Timmy down. We'll, we'll talk. We'll sit him down. 
mom will sign a waiver form. We'll talk to Timmy about what he learns here, stays here. Um, you, you don't go around and put on a Southside boxing shirt and, and start thumping on people. If I find you that you do that, then you'll be asked not to come back. And um, we just go over the rules with them. And then we'll set Timmy up with a beginner course, which is Mondays and Wednesdays, um, six to seven. Uh, Timmy will learn the basic fundamentals of boxing, self-defense. Um, um, and um, after Timmy learns that, then he'll be, he'll go to an advanced course, which is Monday through Thursday, five, p.m. till 8 8 30 at night and he comes as much as he wants and and so that's kind of what it is you know that's that's how we do it so he'll join a beginner course until he gets acclimated to learning the uh, fundamentals and basics of boxing and, and self-defense yep and is it a similar process for a quote-unquote adult client or they're they're still going through the basics they're they're getting the ideas tell us a little bit about that Yes. And with the adults, uh, we, we'll have, you know, domestic abuse, like women that come in that had some issues um, and, and they want to learn how to self-defense. They want to learn self-defense, uh, basic fundamentals of boxing. So what we'll do is we'll separate, uh, you know, the youth with the adult and their courses are Tuesday, Thursdays. And same times they'll come in from 5.30, 5.40, sign up. And courses are run from 6 the seven same thing when they get uh, acclimated to learning the, the basic fundamentals of, of boxing um, then we put them in an advanced course as well and then that's when everybody coincides with one another and some of the polished fighters jump in and they help out as well yep so a community effort to get people where they need to go in your mind tommy we've got these people signing up whether they're youth whether they're adult whoever it is what influences these people staying how do we retain these members for the long haul again i told you uh, we are really family oriented with there's a there's a great feeling of belonging once you come in and you're part of what we're doing um uh i mean there's there's birthday parties there's there's i mean i i got christmas gifts from people i mean it and i, I was giving stuff out it, it's just a really really big um, family oriented feeling like I said once the parents come in and some of the older adults and they see the youth that we work with they hear the stories they know the stories they'll bring in a bag of clothes from their kids that don't fit them anymore and they'll help out some of the youth that actually need those clothes so yeah yeah and so we're we're doing more than just a 45 minute workout right we're, we're keeping people around because of the community because of the family because of the the intangibles that aren't necessarily so measurable shift gears one more time for me Tommy. i want to i want to pick your brain on where this whole thing is going you just mentioned we moved into this grand new location what's the future of Southside boxing in your mind paint me a picture of of where this whole thing is going we're just going to keep growing. We're going to keep uh, helping those uh, those youth, inner city kids, uh, anybody really. Um, the mothers that need help. Um, the, uh, we're at where I want it to be. So if that makes sense, I'm really, really happy where I where we're at right now. Um, yeah. If, if I can so do what we're doing, just bigger. Right? Exactly. Exactly. We're really growing as a community, um, as a gym. And, and it's just taking off. I'm so happy, so proud of everybody involved.
one final question for you and and you've been doing this for quite a while so i'm sure this this is no surprise the the industry itself is is not always sunshine and rainbows and things aren't always as easy as as it sounds when we talk about it here what do you think could be some potential hurdles or potential challenges to this business as it moves forward um you know once and I, I've always told this to my trainers. I, I tell this to some of the polished fighters. Once you get to a certain point and you grow as a, as a person, not just as a person, but as a gem, there's only one place to go, and that's down. And you have a lot of people that, you know, that are not uh, very nice, and, and they, they want to see you fail. And, and they, they do things out of their way to hurt you you have to be a good person and believe in what you're doing and what we're doing and just really learn to have leather skin and, and, and just do good in life. Everything happens for a reason. Everything comes back full circle. My parents have always told me that my dad has always told me that, you know, um, I believe truly believe in what I'm doing is, is the right thing. And if you believe in that, the sky's the limit. It really is. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I could have, I told you this the other day in an in, in email, you know, would I have been happy to, to buy a two, $3 million home, sit back and, and just look at the sunrise and not worry about things? I could have done that. But I also think that what we're doing, there's a reason for what I'm doing, a bigger reason than myself. And I think it's the right thing to do. Um, has it, has there been some, you know, uh, push back from the family absolutely you know <laughs> uh, you know uh, certainly <laughs> you know has there been some you know i can't believe we can't you know go on this vacation anymore or, or you know you're because once you do something like this you really are a hundred percent you are all in that's you are for sure. all in, you know so but again i i really think uh um you just have to really believe in what you're doing and i do i really that do that's a, a three million dollar check worth of conviction nobody's gonna doubt that you don't believe in this tommy i think that's a pretty good place for us to start to wrap things up but i want to save a few minutes here for you to tell our audience where they can learn more about Southside. is there social media is there a website where can people learn about this and really it is facebook it's uh, the we're gonna build a website um and and I just got back into this whole social media thing about two years ago. So um, there's pros and cons of social media. So, you know, we, we, I've listened to everybody, all the coaches, the kids, they want to see themselves out there, you know, coach, you got to get with it. TikTok, you got to <laughs> Instagram, you know, it so may not be our favorite thing to do, but it's, it's somewhat necessary at this day and age. That's true. It is. It is. So Facebook is, is primarily where we're at right now. Southside Boxing Gym, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we will be uh, doing a, a, a website and then we'll just soon, soon it'll connect be with Tommy and the team. And now you have a whole audience of people holding you accountable to the website, Tommy. This right. has been awesome, man. I, I really appreciate anybody willing to to share a behind the scenes look into what their business actually looks like and, and how these things function so i can't thank you enough for your willingness to join i'm excited to see what the future holds because it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts that are that are exciting and will come to fruition here soon so it's all the time we have but i i appreciate you and i wish you nothing but the best one man
Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lawrence out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host, Adam Chop, and with me today, I have a super special guest. His name is Carlos Ramirez with Fit24 Gym out of Kingsville, Texas, and Alice, Texas. Carlos, how's it going, man? Great. Awesome. Well, well thank you for uh, joining us on this segment today. I'm excited to learn about you and you know your your gyms and you know how everything's going. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, January is the is our magical month. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, uh, the New Year's resolutioners and uh, you know everybody looking to just make the change and get healthy. So yep. oh yeah, this year more than than others, I feel. You know, it's kind of it's kind of been the trend. You know, the whole obviously COVID thing and you know whatever else is going on. People are like, you know, like it's all these like prescriptions and meds and pills. It's just like you know you just got to dive in and just treat your body right and so on and so forth yeah awesome carlos well i'm going to open up to you real quick um just kind of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself you know how you got into the industry you know what's your passion what's your main goal um and kind of like the vision that you have for everything okay. yeah well you know fit 24 started here in october will be 10 years so 10 years from uh, opening first location in uh, in alice which in this industry, being a kind of a mom and pop boutique style gym, 10 years might as well be a hundred years, you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, definitely, definitely uh, no small feat. You know, so the, uh, I started myself getting into fitness about 14, 15 years old. So I'm uh, 38 now, got into that, um, you know, kind of out of shape kid, you know, believe it or not, I saw a uh, documentary on TV on uh, Schwarzenegger following that was a documentary on Charles Atlas, Thought, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in shape, you know? And uh, for me, fitness absolutely changed my life. Like 100% confidence, everything. It just completely changed my life. Um, and it had always been, something in the kind of, you know, something that's always kind of driven me. Um, I went to college for business, um, you know, wasn't really the, the, the most uh, studious, you know, and then uh, going into uh, to college here in Kingsville, um, you know, similar ABC type grades and then get into business and was realized, hey, this is something I actually enjoy, something I'm pretty good at. Um, after that, got into industrial sales for a while, 
did that for a bit um, and then decided, you know what, I think I kind of want to open a gym. I think I want to get into a business, you know, and um, originally my goal was if I could make the same money that I was doing in my industrial sales job, but doing something I'm passionate about. And that was the goal, you know, and uh, in the beginning, that's how it worked out, you know, and so I was satisfying that, um, you know, now that, that's kind of the original plan. Awesome, man. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that. Making make the money, but being passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Um, so fast forward, you know, the vision is good. You know, the, the history is amazing. You know, you got two awesome gyms. When somebody is to walk into your facility, you know, kind of give like an elevator pitch, like what are the services you offer? You know, what's kind of like the member experience from when they first walk into your facility to either becoming a member or leaving with a great um, image of what your gym has to offer. Okay. So I'll give a little bit, I guess, more background as well on the gyms. You know, my original goal started off as kind of an anytime fitness model, I guess you could say. I found a, a city. I was living on the outskirts of, uh, of Alice in, in the bigger city, Corpus Christi. Um, Alice had only one other gym at the time. It was not 24-hour. It was a growing city, um, oil-filled, boom kind of city. I saw that there was an opportunity to go into that facility, uh, to go into that city, into that market, and open something that was 24-hour, small, quick and easy. Um, now, my background was bodybuilding. I've done bodybuilding for, you know, I'm, I guess, semi-retired. I feel like I'm going to do another show at some point. But, you know, it's it's been a while. You know, it's been, I think, 2017 was my last show. Um, but I started, you know, when I was 20 years old. Um, so, but knowing that, it's difficult to pay all the bills with just bodybuilding and just going after the bodybuilding market. Right. So my thought was, you know what, let me just get a small 24 hour gym, but have it where it does have dumbbells to go up to a hundred. It does have a free squat, things like that. You know, so it's, it's your typical gym, but it's open 24 hours. Right. And this is, you know, 2013 timeframe. Um, and so started that off. Every single day during the construction phase, someone came by and asked if we were going to have childcare. Every single day. And it, at some point, it was like, well, I guess. <laughs> I, guess I mean, if I that's mean, what the market wants, you know, it's right. like, I guess I'm going to have to do that. And so it, it slowly grew. So we added, you know, the, uh, the childcare there. Um, and then it slowly grew into expansion of adding in classes then I was able to get the backspace adding in a, a turf area adding in a garage space because it had that garage there um, and it kind of just grew into what I would consider kind of the the older Bally's model or the YMCA model you know kind of being the big gym for everyone families and all in a smaller town you know, and so when people come in, you know, it's, I always feel like gyms are tough. They're tough in when you run them, the type of business they are, 
I would always steer people away whenever someone wants to open a gym. I'm like, I don't know, you can make money easier somewhere else. <laughs> like, gym's tough. It's a tough business to do. You know, there's big capital expenses in the beginning. It's it's just it's difficult. Um, but also it's difficult what you're selling. You know, it's you're not selling a product. You're not really selling a service either. You know, I categorize it kind of similar to movie theaters or a bar in that you're selling an experience. You know, you can nowadays, you can watch movies at home. You can, you know, have a, have a drink at home. You don't have to go out for that. You don't have to go to a movie theater. Um, same thing with, with exercise, same thing with working out. You don't have to go to a gym to work out. You know, COVID, I guess, showed everybody that, right? You just walk out your door and take off running if you wanted to. Um, so why are they coming to a gym? And it's for an experience, right? And the way I see it is just, you just got to have just a small, small amount of that they leave here better than when they came in. It doesn't have to be a giant amount. You don't have to make people to where they feel like, oh my God, like they're just changed their entire outlook on their day after leaving the gym. It don't have to be that. It just has to be a small increase in you know, that they have an improvement. They had a little bit of a better experience. And in most cases, the gym, just getting their workout does that, right? So them themselves are kind of in control of, of that. But there's a lot of ways you can screw it up along the way for them. You know, if you don't have the right facility, it's not clean, you have a lot of broken equipment, you know, you, uh, you have bad customer service, all that can screw up you know, that small increment of, you know, of having a better experience than when they walked in, you know, so the way I see it is you just, you've got to do everything in your power to give them that good experience. Um, and to me, that is difficult, you know, it can be difficult in that you, you don't have a product, you don't have a service, it's the experience. So everything revolves around that experience. Um, you add in a new gym equipment, you know, you add in a new piece, um, we can't quantify that, you know, we can't say, Hey, you know what? We just got this new leg curl. You know, this leg curl is going to bring in X amount of dollars. It's not a program. It's not, you can't, I can't do that. I can only add it, you know, with the assumption that people are going to enjoy this. I'm providing a little bit better of an experience by, by having this. Maybe people didn't use the previous piece of equipment that was there. So get that thing out put in something else um, and hopefully that generates a return. Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I like your philosophy, you know, hitting on the head, you know, it's, it's more than just, you know, there's a million gyms in the area, but it's like what sets you apart from all the other gyms. Is it your customer service? Is it the experience? Is it the facility? Is it the cleanliness? There's so many like, different things that you can mm -hmm. quote unquote quantify or, you know, um, measure from gym to gym and, you know, what people do ratings on and stuff like that. So um, with that philosophy in mind, you know, uh, kind of, you know, give a rundown, you know, I, you said that it's kind of like a YMCA feel in a smaller town. So mm -hmm you know, group training, personal training, um, you know, what, what classes or, you know, like what's like the ins and the outs of your actual facilities. So we're about, you know, when I say small town, 
you know, we're, we're looking at 25 to 30,000 in the population in each okay. of these towns. Um, we're on the outskirts of a bigger city, but we're still, you know, far enough that you're not going to drive into the big city. Most are not going to drive into the big city to go work out. Um, you know, they've always proven that there's certain things that you're going to go closer to. And we do get some, you know, and everywhere in Kingsville and Alice are within driving distance within a few minutes, right? So you, your your entire market is your area in the entire town, right? Um, now, for us, it's providing as much as we possibly can pack into the facility, right? So, like I said, I have an outdoor turf that be, that came out of almost necessity in how can I add more square footage to the space I have, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like well. You know, it's like, I got a backyard on this one location, boom, tear into it, you know, add in that space, fence that in. Um, the other location, you know, it was like, we had a side door and there goes out to the parking lot, you know, fence that in, let's turn that into more space, right? Um, so you're always looking to, because I mean, space is one of the most difficult, you know, challenges when it comes to uh, a fitness facility. You've um, just like... In some ways, I wish we could get away with less space, you know, especially cost of square footage. Um, but it's just not the case, you know, so you got to find ways to do that. Um, the turf became one of those ways. So with that also being said, I realized that in order to be successful in a small town, you kind of can't really go after a niche. You have to go after the group. You have to go after the mass market right? That's how you're going to pay your bills. Um, that's how you're going to be successful. You know, also, you know, one of the things that I kind of will bring up is that growing up in, you know, I grew up in Kingsville. I went to gyms that were here, you know, from 16 on, I was going to, to gyms until I graduated college and moved uh, away for a bit, came back. And all the gyms that I used, seemed to be what I call like a side hustle. They were, they were businesses, but they were someone else's side hustle. That's all it was. They didn't treat it as a business, right? Um, they were passionate about exercising, but they maybe owned something else, or maybe they were a teacher, maybe they this or that. And it was just a side hustle, right? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But my concept coming in was not that was I want to bring something that people recognized as this is a true business. This has a business concept, business model. They're going to be treated professionally. They're going to have proper billing cycles, all of that. It's going to be, you know, and with that said, there's going to be, there's going to be repairs on equipment. There's going to be, you know, um, it's going to be kept clean. It's going to have staff, <laughs> all of that, right? The stuff you okay. see in regular businesses, you know? And so that alone, I felt like was a big concept change for a small town because they're all side hustles, you know, from when I was growing up, that's what it was, you know, until some of these smaller businesses start, um, franchises started going into smaller cities. Um, but that's what I grew up with, right? Um, so for me, it was like, okay, if I'm going to be successful and if this is, a, is something that's going to last for, you know, a good while, then I need to go after the mass market. So how do you go after the mass market? It would be, you have to have a facility large enough to accommodate that. 
So that's picking out the right square footage. That's, you know, finding a place that has a large enough parking lot, all of that, right? Um, then designing it in a way that allowed everybody to work out without, I guess, kind of interrupting each other. Um, and what I mean by that is that all the, that there are kind of groups that, you know, you got your, what you would call like cardio bunnies, you got your power lifters, bodybuilders, you know, um, kind of your, your hit, you know, CrossFitter types, all that. How do you get a facility that accommodates everyone? Right. And the way I designed it was to separate the groups in a way that they didn't necessarily interrupt the others. Right. So you walk in, the cardio's up front, the heavier weights and free weights are, are scattered towards the back of, you know, of it. Then uh, I designed it where there's what I call, quote unquote, a garage area. In one location, it is a garage. Right. Um, so it kind of gives you that high school you know, workout feel to it, um, that old school type of feel. In the other facility, I built, I closed it off. I actually built walls to, to create that feeling of, it's what we call our garage space. And that garage space has no AC. You know, the elements are what they are in there. The, there is no music. You play whatever you want to play in that, in that area. And it opens up to the turf, right? And in that space, it allows for the power lifters, the chalk, the you know loud music, the taking off their shirt, all that kind of stuff that there's a big group that wants that, but it's kept far away from groups that don't necessarily want to see that, right? Um, so that, that's kind of how I design the space, you know? Um, and then of course your pricing, it's, it's priced in a way where you're adding on family members, um, at a, at a discount, you know, things like that. So that this way it, it makes sense to, uh, to add as many people as you can, you know, and this way it's, it's, it's a place where, you know, you can have parents and children working out in the same space, you know, and they're, and they're comfortable with that. No, that's, uh, <clears throat> I, I love the concept, you know, it's like, you know, you, we go to gyms all over the place and, you know, most of the time, depending on, like you said, the city, the market, if it's like, not like your big, like, we'll say Chicago suburb or like downtown Chicago, where you have like this massive, like LA fitness style gym, where it's like, you got 50 treadmills on the upper deck and then you got all circuit mm -hmm. machines on the lower deck and stuff like that. It's like, you, you give it that, um, not small town feel because that's not necessarily but you give it like that, that customizer. It's like, you have the group over here, you have a group over here, you have a group over here where it's like anybody and everybody can come in. Like if you want the people that just want cardio, Hey, cool. We got this section right over here. You want like the heavy hitters. You want like the chalk it up, you know, like grunting, whatever, you know, you got the garage for, you know, the, the people, I mean, I probably have to go down that place, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's, it's cool because you're, you're kind of like, you're not catering to one person, but you're giving options for all. Absolutely. So, and it's, it sounds like, you know, your, your own experience has kind of played a huge factor, obviously into that design. Cause it's like, you're taking what you've seen and what you've known and it's like, okay, how am I going to make this different? So love it. Love to hear it. Um, so with, you know, the differences, you know, in your facility, you know um, how big is your facility like square footage wise? 
So the Atlas location started out at 4,000 square feet. Okay. From there, I had an, a, there was a little sandwich shop next to me and he was doing okay. I, you know, I guess I'm giving him more, more praise than he probably deserves on it. Um, and at some point he realized that, that we were doing better. And he uh, found a way to say, hey, you know what? You want to take over my lease and I'll go ahead and get out. And at that moment, you know, this is uh, right at like a December timeframe, opened in October. So this is a December timeframe. We give us 2,000 extra square feet. So I jumped on it, put a sign on the wall saying, we're breaking through this wall on such and such date. This way people realize, okay, we're expanding because mm -hmm. it was already getting too, too busy in there. You know, um, we're the only 24 hour gym in town. We're the only gym with childcare. It was getting way too busy, right? So I had to, you know, kind of uh, let people kind of uh, cool it off. as like saying, hey, look, just give it some time. We're coming through, right? We're, gonna, we're, we're doing this. It's coming, right? So put that sign there, uh, paid a little bit of a premium to get that space, you know, kind of in a way buy him out in his lease. Yeah. Um, got that uh, space. Converted that into a larger childcare, a, uh, somewhat of a workout space, and a room to do uh, classes. Not much longer did I realize, like, man, we need even more space than this. Like, this is just, you know, and then I was able to get the space next door on the other side. It was a, a hair salon. They were moving out. Um, the landlord there saw that we were doing well, said, do you want to go into that space? But we couldn't connect the two spaces because of there were two separate landlords. The way the buildings were designed, we weren't allowed to knock into that wall. Oh. Right? Um, I possibly could now, but there's no point in it now. But um, so I looked at it like, well, what can I do there? Right. And at that time, I decided to turn that into just a classroom, just a studio. So it made it made sense of, of why it's by itself. It's just this. It's just the studio space, right? And so the walls that I built for a studio on the other side just three months prior, I had to knock down, right? Um, so knock those walls down, turn it into more square footage for workout space. Over time. Got the next space, turn that into now just shop. Okay, right. Um, was able to knock another wall down, give more space on the other side. Right. At this point, I realized, you know what, I can, I can kind of go into this garage storage spaces in the back, and connect the, uh, this uh, kind of yard that's back there, fence it in, so convert that into turf. Um, then over time was gained a uh, space that was behind my studio in childcare by purchasing that property and turning that into, you know, I was looking at, well, what, what, how can it be utilized um, that, cause it can't connect to the main gym, but, you know, at that time I was getting some competition, you know, there was a snap fitness that had opened up. Then there was another gym that was kind of looking at open similar concept to me. Uh, they were kind of, I guess thinking that I was making a whole lot of money doing it and thought that they could do it as well. Um, and here we are, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, 
what would gain me market share? I've got a co competitor already at this point. You know, this is going into six years now, I would say. Um, so I have a competitor. I'm going to have another competitor soon. And we're all fighting for the same market. So what can I do in this new space that goes after maybe a different market share? Right. So I decided to use that space and convert it to an all women's gym. So that space was not only is it a space for women, but it's a space that's designed for women. So the aesthetics there are pleasing to women, right? Um, on top of it, it has its own key card access separating it. And mind you, the market I'm in is, is predominantly oil field. There's a lot of, you know, a very macho men in that area. And I felt like a women's space would allow for more comfortability of women to be in, in that space, you know? And now I'm not going after the same group of people who we're working at. I'm going after those who maybe have never gone to a gym. Maybe have never worked out before, right? Um, or have worked out somewhere and then didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And now, um, I'm not competing for the same group of people, right? Um, you know, the main side of the gym is, but now I have this whole space that's dedicated to a completely different market. Um, so I lost some members that do the competitors over time, but I'm the only one going after that market. So I've gained 100% of that market there, right? Um, which made up for, you know, for that. Um, that space also was something, even though it's, it's all the same brand, I also recognized that they want it to be kind of theirs, right? So I got a different sign and a different color, you know? So Fit24 Women's Club, right? So they have their own sign. You know, even though when you sign up for your membership, you go into the main side to get your membership. But this way, it's like their gym, right? I also created its own Facebook and Instagram. So it's all social media. So when you're there, you don't have to tag the main gym. You can tag there that you're there, right? And it kind of feels more like, oh, well, you know, I'm a member of Fit24. But if you don't want to be, let's say, you're, you're more on the women's club, you can be, you can pretty much come across saying, I'm a member of Fit24 women's club, right? kind of separate that. Um, and so that, that ended up working really well. Uh, in our Kingsville location, I don't really have the space to do that. And frankly, I don't really think it's necessarily needed either. The type of, uh, you know, market here is different. Um, so for now, you know, that's something that I've kind of, uh, you know, not really looked at doing yet. Um, just kind of been holding off, but yeah, but yeah so it's kind of, um, that's kind of where, where we've grown in that space. So now I would say that the Alice location is about 12,000 square feet, not including the turf space. It's outdoors, uh, but it is including the garage space. And in the other facility, we're about similar to that, about 12,000 square feet, which the Kingsville location used to be a movie theater. It was a, a duplex, uh, well, a double you know theater. And one half of it, right from the beginning during the construction phase, I had them build walls and a, uh, a seat, like a ceiling in there. And I said, I want, I'm gonna eventually turn it into a second floor. 
So I gained an extra 2,000 square feet by building it in a way where I can add in a second floor ahead of time. You know, this way I already know that, okay, if I need more space. I've got 2,000 square feet in that space and can design it kind of in a mezzanine style where, you know, now it is built like that to where you can go upstairs and there's all cardio and you're kind of overlooking the main gym. And under that space, I have the childcare, I have tanning, I have a sauna, and I have a studio under that space. Nice, man. So it's, it's kind of like you, you got that, that scenery look to it as well. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, uh, the double decker, you know, like, like some of like your, your LA um, or lifetime fitnesses have like that, like you can walk up the stairs and there's like, like a half section of like some cardio equipment, stuff like that. But right. um, no, man, that's super cool. So with, you know, both facilities and, you know, the square footage, that's massive square footage. You know, what's, you know, would you say is your current member base? Um, so member base is in who we're going after or, or total count or what would you? Yeah, we, we, let's actually split up because I was going to kind of be my next question too. Is like, you know, where, and I know with like bigger, like box gyms that have more to offer inside of, you know, like obviously there's going to be people that you just have them that are going to pay and they show up, you know, here and there, or then there's people that are like religious every other day or whatever. So like, what would you just say as like your active member count currently? And from there, where would you want to take that? Like, what is your ultimate target goal with that? So right now with, you know, being about, I would say 25,000 population in Alice and being 30, I would round it up to about 30,000 in Kingsville. Kingsville's market is different. It's got a university, fairly large size university. Um, It also has a Navy base, but the university and the Navy base also have their own facility, right? Um, and we directly compete with, with that because you can utilize those facilities, but some do choose to come here, right? Um, you know, and if you go to the uh, the gym there on campus, it's packed. It's packed. There's not a lot of good gym etiquette either, um, you know, on a college campus gym. Oh, yeah. So we do get a lot of students, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we get exactly. a lot of students to come from there, right? Oh, yeah. um, so we market towards the students as well. Um, now, I would say, so between the two, being in, in our January right now, you know, we're pushing about 2,300 members as of now between the two combined. Right. Um, and, you know, my memberships are not your $10 a month. They average between anywhere from $25 well I, well, I couldn't even say 20, about 20 or so when you add in the family add-ons, uh, 20 up to 45. Uh, we offer discounts, students, military, law enforcement, uh, first responders, all that, teachers, you know, uh, so there's a big group that fall into that discount, right? Um, but I've noticed that even with my competitors are still even around that, time, that price range. They're still in that kind of $30 price range mm-hmm. for a smaller facility even. You know, and so now of that, you know, so we're looking at about a thousand at one location and about, you know, 1300 or so at the other. Um, Of that, I would say about 25% are pretty religious. You know, that's, you know, and 
And in these types of business models, the money's made, the profit, you know, is made off of those who don't show up, right? Now, it's not, I would, I, you know, my background is fitness growing up. It absolutely changed my life, right? So I wish that everybody who had a membership was religious and they did show up. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the profit is made off of those who, who don't, right? Um, then you've got, I would say about another 20%, 20-30% that, um, 20-25% that are, you know, a couple of times a month that show up. You know, we pull up their, their, their views on their, you know, their visits and it's a couple of times, you know. Um, and then we have a, about 50% or so that don't show up. Maybe once a month, if that, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the case, but it is. And, you know, but those numbers there, right, have, you know, they have good intentions. And I risk they would show up, um, but having them as a member allows for the business to stay open, you know, and, it'll, you know, they're not utilizing the facility. They're not utilizing, you know, our, our soap and paper towels and all of that, you know, and it allows for that, right, you know, um, or the wear and tear on the equipment or everything. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where, where my membership is, is at currently. Okay, cool. So out of those, you know, members, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, January being obviously the busy month for, you know, any kind of like bigger box gym. Um, what does that lead gen look like? You know, from Q4, typically sometimes a little bit slower um, to Q1, you know, like, are you experiencing higher volume? Um, is it, you know, something that you're satisfied with or is it something where you're like, well, you know, it could be better. So, you know, I've been, in 2013, there were some market shifts, you know, during that time for its own market. Um, but if I had to put some numbers to everything and kind of really see it, kind of me kind of explain the trend that I'm noticing, at least in my area and my markets, uh, 2019 was a fairly good year. The beginning half of 2020 was pretty good right that first you know two months was outstanding i think that the decade you know the flip of the of the nine to the zero for a lot of people meant a lot you know i think they really took that you know into that they want to make a major change in their life right um so things were projected to be well and then of course we all saw what happened after um then coming into 2020, you know, the rest of the year, it was survive, right? Survival mode. You know, a, a lot of us kind of wondered if some of these gyms were, were just going to be non-existent, you know, if there was going to be a shift in the entire market of, of what we know, you know, and um, it's just an outdated concept, you know? Um, and then you know, 2021, we all had kind of some, some high hopes, right? Um, to me, it didn't really pan out that way. It was still kind of lagging. I think that 
you know, and again, this is my market because I've got a big group that pay and don't show up. I'm not as far, I'm not as far as the, um, you know, not to, you know, I don't know who you've had on here in the past that I'm not trying to, you know, like, uh, talk down on anybody else, but you know, we don't, we're not your planet fitness. My prices are higher than $10. I, you know, we're not actively trying to get members who don't show up. I feel like there are business models out there that do that. We're not that one, yeah. right? Um, so the pay scale that we have, all of that is designed for you to use a facility. And also the way our contracts are based is you just got to let me know. You come by here, you sign your cancellation form, you turn in your key card, you let us know that you don't want to be charged anymore. And we stop that. We're not, you know, we don't make it difficult, you know, because again, the model is designed to where we want you to use the Right. Right. Um, it's not like kind of a trick, you know, to get, to gain all these people who are going to pay for the entire year. And after the first month or two, they kind of change their mind and, and we make it impossible for them to cancel. That's not my model. Right. Um, so, you know, in 2021, we still, anybody who had an option to say, you know, I'm probably not going to really work out. Those people didn't shut, they didn't sign up, you know, and that's how the business kind of, kind of stays alive in, in my model. Right. Um, so you, all those who were given a free excuse to not work out got one in 2020 and 2021. Um, so, and they all utilized it, right? They all utilized this free excuse of, of well, this isn't the right time to mm -hmm. get This is the right time to make a health change, right? Um, so 2022, we saw that that was kind of starting to shift. Now those excuses are starting to fade away Right. Um, they're starting to realize that they really should probably start working out again. Um, and then unlike previous years, when you look at the at, you know, our track on it. On the graph, normally for us. September. The membership starts to decline. We don't have as many active signups and we, we have more cancellations in some cases than we do signups and the number starts to come down. Right. So that's our, that's our winter. You know, our winter is September. You know, well, really it's, it's more October. So October, November, December, that's the time frame where we look at those numbers and we're like, okay, I'm not pressuring staff on signups. Right. I'm, I'm pressuring on, Hey, are we making our collections? Hey, are we, you know, um, preventing people from canceling, right. Finding, you know, like giving them an option of, Hey, let's, let's try this. Let's try that. Have you utilized it? Have you realized that we've added these things in here and things like that, right. Kind of let them know that, okay, we get it. You're not really trying to work out during these, these months, but you don't necessarily need to cancel. Let's, let's see what we can do. Right. Um, so it's shifted. I'm not pressuring on signups during those months, right? October, November, December, 2022, October, November, December, that, that final quarter, we saw an increase, which, 
and including December. December actually had better signups and better um, better uh, revenue than October, November, which is very, very odd, you know, when you compare it to all the other years. Um, but I felt like looking at it, that's why I'm really kind of feel real positive about 2023. You know, I think people are starting to realize like, look, you know, they were trying to get ahead of it. They're trying, these, these people were looking at, at their resolution, looking at their life for 2023 and thinking, you know what, like, why am I going to wait? I'll just sign up now. You know, and these people are signing up in, in December, you know, they're working out during the holidays, um, new signups, which is, you know, odd, but it's, it's giving you kind of an idea of people realizing like they need to get, they want to get in shape again. You know, these excuses are gone. Um, then our January hits and we saw very good, you know, signups during that time. We saw a lot of people walk through the door. Um, and we saw a lot of people who are coming back, you know, they, they're realizing that working out at home, you know, working out in the garage, going for runs, it's not necessarily the environment they were, they were hoping for anymore. They're kind of over it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's the year of the Jordan. So, you know, the, the great one, 2023. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're like, you know, it's, it's like a nostalgia. It's like, oh, like Michael Jordan, like for those of the people that are, uh, you know, sports fans and whatnot, or even, even people that just know that, you know, he's yeah. a, you know, that great um, basketball player. It's like oh, 23, it's the year, it's the Jordan, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this. People are going to get like all sorts of like crazy ideas, you know, could turn out either way. Um, so Carlos, you know, everybody's got like, you know, a big, big picture, big plan, you know, target goal for like their their company and you know where you want to take it so tell me and for those everybody listening right now you know what is your ultimate goal with your your two facilities like do you want to increase you know member base leads you want to expand more open another location kind of talk to me like what's like your big picture like where you want to be so i've got it to where you know if you would have asked me this question january 2020 yeah. Right. Then uh, it would be, you know, I'm going to open all these gyms, right? I'm going to start opening all these gyms all over the place. Everything's great on it, all of that. 2020 hits and it, and it puts kind of, you know, uh, a freeze on that saying, wait, let me, let me think about this a little bit. Let me think about this. Let me see, you know, how the market cools and, and, and if it's going to get back all of that, uh, let me focus back in focus back in on my, on what I have, right? Um, stay alive, right? That was the, the main goal. Um, now I've looked at, in my Alice location, I'm coming up to the point where I've got to make some decisions. Yeah, I've got to decide, am I going to stay in the facility I'm at? Am I going to try to go somewhere else? Um, am I going to try to leverage being there uh, for that long and try to buy the rest of the building you know because i have a portion of it but i'm looking at well should i purchase the rest of it you know um so i'm really kind of looking at that right now i'm really taking kind of a, a deep look into it and in a way there's kind of some pressure you know I, I need to make a decision on it here in the next few months yeah um my Kingsville location is doing real well in uh well and so is the alice location but i really do got to figure out the facility you know and if i'm going to stay there or not 
And if I am, how I'm going to stay there, right? In the Kingsville, um, the facility, you know, is still working really well for us. And I've, I'm looking at it as, you know, is there, is there a way to gain more market share? I think I have a large enough facility to do so. Um, and with that is, you know, what can we add here? What programs can we add? What new ways can we try to gain more market in the Kingsville? area right also you know it's not completely off the table but there was the thought that i would take just the women's club model and possibly you know take that to a new a new market you know and go into you know going suburb area or something you know outside the city um because i feel like that has a nice uh concept you know it's not your curves <laughs> right it's it's for those who are truly actually working right um but it is kind of going with that aesthetics of that it is you know a, a female you know model right so you go in there and it's got you know it's not your rough and tough kind of thing it's got you know uh, some pink and some it's got some you know some uh, plants in there, things like that, right? <laughs> Not your your uh, muscle head gym, right? <laughs> so, um, so that's something that I'm still kind of keeping in mind. Yeah, is that you know, it's possibly taking that somewhere. Um, and then again, there's always the concept of of franchising. I mean, I, I tried it in the past. Um, I've done it. You know, the the time that I did in the past was in 2017. Uh, as well as it was partially 2017 and, and into 18 and I felt like it it worked well um, it wasn't a typical franchise it was more of a, like a gym rescue I guess you could say sure. and we saw major return on it you know they saw a great increase in it but sometimes it's not about all that sometimes you know in that case it was the couple themselves. That, uh, by the time the year ended, they asked if I wanted to buy it. I said, no, I passed on it and I allowed someone else to, to purchase it. And then shortly after that, they got a divorce. You know, it wasn't going to work no matter what. Yeah. You know, it, they, were, they were grasping at everything. And, but to them, you know, their relationship itself was suffering. Um, so no matter what happened, it wasn't going to make it, you know. So, but it, it taught me a lot. You know, I learned a lot from it. Um, I feel like it can be successful again. So there's always that thought too of, well, should I franchise it? I mean, 10 years is a big milestone. I think there's a lot to gain from these 10 years for someone new coming in who maybe wanted to open something. You know, I can uh, kind of look at that avenue. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of different options, especially, you know, with, you know, the space and everything um, and just the, uh, the reputation. Uh, Carlos with, you know, the, the goal and, you know, some decisions, you know, what would you say? And, uh, you know, I, I was like this to be not necessarily like a, like a, a teaser or like a, you know, a difficult question, but you know, what would, you know, inside and outside your facility and all the things that are going on between the two locations, you know, you mentioned, you know, making some decisions a couple months mentioned, you know, maybe some different market share options, things like that, you know, why or where is the bottleneck or the holdup or, you know, what's kind of like 
the, the biggest stop from, you know, where you are right now and where you want to be? Uh, I'd say that, you know, it's the Kingsville location definitely can grow within itself. Right. So it's looking for opportunities there. It's looking for ways to expand here. Um, in some ways, I was kind of kind of holding off on putting too much into it because I felt like like the market wasn't there yet. You know, it's at least I didn't see it like that here. You know, now I feel like things are finally starting to kick over again. People are starting to to actually want to you know, make a change, you know? Um, so it's looking at what can we add in here that gains us new market share, right? In our, in the Alice location, it's, it's true business in how am I going to tackle these decisions? I've got to sit down with, you know, with landlords, I've got to, use some leverage i've got to find a way where you know how am i going to take this where i need it to go mm -hmm. right and do i take it somewhere else do i just move the location you know and go somewhere else within the city and, and find something different you know um or do i kind of leverage what i have and try to gain the property you know, and then in that case, it opens the door for a lot of things, you know, in, in that right now I'm kind of holding back on investing too much into the facility because um, I'm not sure where yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, if it's going to stay there. And, you know, I don't want to put too much money into it and then not be able to get that, gain that back out. You know, as of now, everything I put in, I've gained, you know, going into 10 years into this, you know, um, but I need to decide, is it worth putting any, anything more into this or should I look elsewhere? Should I find something else, you know? Um, and I've got to have those serious talks and uh, I've got to have those serious talks with myself as well. That's what I want to do, you know, uh, where yeah. I see it, right? Um, so yes, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. Would you say one thing that would be, you know, helpful in that making would, you know, you mentioned maximizing the facility you know, whether that be gaining, obviously, new members or increasing, you know, overall fitness, you know, like group fitness is that would you say uh, maximizing, we'll say for lack of words, revenue inside the facility, would that be a helpful mm -hmm. factor that would, you know, either make some decisions a little easier or better to say, hey, okay, let's do this and we can do this? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I, um, I've got a couple ideas and concepts that I'm trying to, to integrate. Um, and if so, you know, we're, we've never really focused on sales outside of your general traffic, right? Yeah. The traditional marketing. We've right. never really gone after, you know, sales in the sense of like actively searching, right? Actively looking for things like, like um, insurance, you know, um, business to business stuff, you know, yeah. going after companies and things like that. You know, we've never, because in, in many ways up until 2020, it's been kind of a, a, a fight to keep up. You know, uh, the facility itself was doing so well that we were just staying, we were just trying to keep up with, 
school, you know, the, the kind of the fitness energy of these cities, you know, and because uh, we're the only main facility that did that, right? Now it's like, okay, what can we do to look for sales outside of the people that are just walking through the door, outside of just putting out advertising, right? Um, but actually actively go and gain some revenue, gain some new signups, you know? Um, so that's something that we're really focused on for 2023 is that. Um, and if we can land some, some bigger deals that way, then I think it will make a difference on the decisions made for the Alice location. Awesome, man. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, you have a passion for fitness and want people to use fitness. And at the end of the day, the more people you can serve, the bit, you know, the more it's going to fulfill that journey at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Cool, man. Uh, so got a couple questions to wrap up here for us um, yeah. as our, um, but it's been great so far. Um, so one question for you, for our listeners, and then we'll kind of ask, you know, how they can find you. But if you had to give, we'll say one or two nuggets or pieces of advice, wisdom, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. anybody out there that wants to be their own boss, whether it be, you know, we'll say specific to the fitness industry, because we're talking fitness, um, whether it's something like your facility, you know, a bigger box, you have multiple things going on in a bigger square footage facility, or, you know, maybe somebody that wants to do a more small niche, tight knit kind of, you know, maybe group fitness or something like that. What would be your advice to somebody looking at a start? Like for, for myself, you know, it was, it was a passion, right? So when you're going to something that you're passionate about, then you know, they always say, like, you know, the money will, will show up, right? As long as that's why you're doing it, you're going to it. And so for me, it was, it was that, right? Um, now, I will bring up that when I started, that I took on a business partner. That business partner is no longer with me. Now, you know, it didn't work out. It worked out for a while. And then it got to a point where, you know, it would just no longer made sense. And I had to, and this was during COVID, you know, I had to, you know, it kind of lit the fire, I guess, you know, to decide, hey, you know, this is not working anymore, you know, and COVID kind of brought that out. When things are well, you know, you don't, you don't really uh, tackle some of those, those hard decisions, right? And then when things kind of get all crazy, like the way it was COVID, you have to uh, kind of look back, look into, look into it and decide, hey, how is this going to change, right? So people now may be considering taking on a business partner, right? Especially if you feel like you don't necessarily have the funds, you know, to do something, to, to open something, you know, it's, it's a big it's a big expense, you know, gym equipment, uh, you oh, know, yeah. you're paying rent on facilities. I mean, nowadays people can get into the fit. There's, there's multiple fitness angles, right? There's multiple markets that you can get into. Of course, online, not having a bricks, brick and mortar tends to be a lot quicker to get into fitness um, as a business. But if you are doing a traditional business concept where you are looking for a bricks and mortar building, I do feel like there's still a market for that. I do feel like people can still, you know, create a business using that concept 
um, especially if you're offering something unique, especially if you offering something that you know you feel that you're passionate about that you feel is not necessarily being offered, um, then you can do it in a brick, brick and mortar facility. With that being said, you may feel like you don't have the funds to start it. That's how I felt when I first got into it, right? So one, here's one word, one piece of advice on the business partners part of it, right? Uh, from living through it <laughs> is make sure that if you do decide to take on a business partner, that you're going after, you're bringing someone on board that offers something more than what you can offer. They need to be adding value besides financial. So, you know, and if it is just financial, then make sure you really outline those guidelines and that pay structure. Um, but by all means, look to a business partner who has something that you don't have, something that's adding value that you cannot bring to the table. And that's why you're adding that, right? Um, so if you are, you know, a fitness guy, you need to add a business guy, you know, you need to add, you need to add someone who knows sales or, you know, or in that way, um, you know, if you're going to be doing, you know, a facility similar to mine, you know, does this person know how to fix gym equipment? <laughs> That's a major expense, right? I mean, they need to have something. They need to have some sort of value. They cannot be just a fitness person like yourself, or they can't just be a business person like yourself. They need, they need to add value that you don't bring to the table, you know? Um, and in that way, now you're a bigger force, you know, going into the, into the market, you know, creating this business, you have a, you have more skills, you know, um, now, also, I'm a big believer of going all in. I've always believed that. I've always believed that, you know, it's the side hustle thing. You know, I know people like it. I know people, especially nowadays, they see that as, as an avenue, you know. they. But to me, if you don't focus on something and you've got multiple things going on, then your energy is just split between too many things you need to really focus on what you want to do right so like going into opening the, the gym when i first did it i quit my job so i'm gonna go all into this right so when you're all in you don't have you know it's just plan a opening this business making it survive then the plan b there is none there is no option for anything else, right? But whenever it's a side kind of gig, you have that plan B. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, if it don't work, well, it's no big deal kind of thing, right? Um, to me, that's not enough driving force. You know, I feel like you got to give it 100%, dedicate your time to it 100%, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you need to know everything 100%. I feel like a lot of people are in this point where they want to get into fitness. They want to possibly open something. They want to create some sort of revenue stream, doing something they're passionate about, but they feel like they're not there yet. 
They feel like, well, I need this. I need to know this. I need to know that. Right. I see it in bodybuilding. You know, I do, I do some, you know, coaching I, you know, did. Um, and there's so many people that come to me and they're like, yeah, I want to, I want to do a bodybuilding show. Right. I want to get on the bodybuilding stage, mm -hmm. go, but I want to gain 20 pounds first. Like you're put, you know, you don't need to do that. You jump in now, right? You don't need to know everything. You don't need to learn everything before you go in. You know, you, you need to be good at um, adapting, good at problem solving, but you don't need to know the problems because you're not going to, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to know everything. You're going to get into it and you're going to see that there's all kinds of things that you didn't plan for, right? Um, so do you need to read every single book on fitness? Do you need to read every single book on running some sort of fitness business or anything like that? No, you need to jump in. You need to get into it, you know, and you need to know the basics. You need to know, kind of have an understanding of it. Be passionate about it. Make sure that you're, you know, you're going into it for the right reasons. And be ready for lots of issues and lots of problems to come up and be ready to tackle them, solve them, use resources, you know, um, but definitely don't just feel like you're not ready. That's where I feel like a lot of people get into that space. They get into that space of where they feel like at this point in time, they'll be ready or that it's not going to happen. You can have all the education, all the schooling, all of that. Um, and you're still not going to feel ready. At some point, you do have to dive in, you know, um, and then you you learn as you go. Pick the words right out of my mouth. Couldn't say it any better. That is literally the key, I feel, for most people that are like at the edge of the diving board, right? It's like you just got to jump. You just got to do it yeah. and you're going to learn good, bad. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed, but you just got to do it because if you don't step forward, you're always in the same spot. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I remember uh, one of my business professors saying that the average rate of an entrepreneur uh, for successful business is three, three failures for one successful business, right? So knowing that you want to get those three out of the way as quick as possible. Yep. <laughs> right. If it's going purely on numbers, right. Then jump in, jump in early, get those failures out of the way. Right. Um, so that you can get on to success, you know, and that's what the, that's what it is. You know, these, you know, I, I do believe in in calling them, you know, failures. I know a lot of people don't, but uh, I do, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you you learn from the failure. You learn from that it didn't work. Um, you know, for me, I actually put uh, posters up and stuff of my failures. I like to be reminded that that was a learning experience that I tackled, and and here's where I am now. And uh, there's always things you can learn from them. Um, if you see it that way, then by all means, get those failures out of the way. Start them, um, you know, I myself had some in the beginning, um, you know, before getting on to, to the business I am now. So you, you just got to get through them. You just got to get through them. You got to start it. You got to jump in. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, um... I was just going to say something, but it's like, you know, one, one of our core tenants here at our place is, you know, have humility. So it's like, you know, don't be afraid to say, Hey, look, you know, I didn't do what I needed to do or I failed or whatever. But then also when you get to the big stage, you're hum you humble yourself because you know that it took 
300 steps to get there versus like, oh, two steps and, you know, you're making a million dollars or, you know, whatever the case is. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people nowadays don't, um, they put a lot of excuses out there on their failures. You know, yeah. um, you don't need to, being an entrepreneur, you know, everything, you're, you're the head of the snake, you know, it's, it's a top. So, again, things can happen in the market. Things can happen like COVID, stuff like that, that you're not in control of. But in a lot of ways, if you make certain decisions, it doesn't go your way. It's okay. It's okay to say, hey, look, I didn't make the right choices here and there. Um, but I'm learning from it and I'm moving forward. Yeah. You know? 100%. Um, excuse me. Uh, well, hey, man, Carlos, that was great. Um, super excited to have had a conversation with you today. Um, one last thing before we depart is let our listeners know how can they reach you? You know, how can, if they want to check out your gyms, whether it's social media page, a website, you know, they want to just want to stop in physically, you know, how can they reach, you know, fit 24. So I hope uh, we've done a good job on, uh, you know, being, being able to be found on uh, online. So if you Google fit 24 gym, Kingsville, Alice, you should have a location for that um, as well as, you know, your Apple maps and all that, you know, we're, we pop up. So as soon as you type us in, we should pop up. Um, my, for me, myself, I've got, uh, probably the easiest way to reach me would be, I would say my Instagram, uh, at Mr. Fit 24 gym. Um, and then for the, for the gym pages, we've got fit 24 gym Kingsville, fit 24 gym Alice, fit 24 gym women's club. So we're out there. Awesome. Well, for everybody listening out there, uh, if you want to check out Mr. Carlos's gyms, just do some typing on the computer. If you're in the area, go check them out. We'd love to see his awesome facility. Um, and if you ever want to be on our show, go ahead and click on the link below. Type in all your information. We'll be in touch. But until then, y'all, Jim Lords, out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Dave from Blended Athletics in Nova Scotia. What's going on, Dave? How are we doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Yes, again. So, Dave, um, to everybody listening, was on the podcast about a year ago. So, I'm really excited to you know dive into the nitty gritty and see 
what positive changes that that he's made over this past 365 days. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about how you describe blended athletics and what made you decide to open your gym in the first place? Let's start with opening the gym. So we've been open since 2013. I used to be a pharmaceutical rep. And uh, I actually had uh, this burning desire to own a business and fitness was something I have a kinesiology degree. Um, and so fitness was something that I was always passionate about. And the two worlds just kind of matched when I decided that I was going to open up blended and uh, we opened our doors in 2013 originally as a CrossFit gym, still believe in that uh, philosophy and uh, you know, we're no longer affiliated with CrossFit, but we certainly do a lot of functional training within our facility. So it's kind of evolved over the years. And today we're 11,000 square feet. Uh, we offer 16 classes a day. Eight of them are functional fitness class and eight of them are like a high intensity interval training class or a HIIT class. And uh, we also do a lot of personal training. So uh, upwards of 400 hours of personal training a month. So that's been something that we've uh, continuously built over the last three years. That is awesome to hear. Um, so before we kind of dive into, you know, talking more about the business side of things, tell us a little bit about like your introduction to fitness. Like how did you get in the industry? I, at a young age, I started going to the gym when I was 13 or 14 years old. Uh, so I was playing competitive hockey at the time. I had an older brother who was also a competitive hockey player and at five foot nine, uh, not at 13, but I, I was a smaller um, at back, especially back, back at that time, I was a smaller player. So I always just wanted to be solid. And there's also the side benefit of the aesthetic. You know, I don't know what young guy doesn't want to have abs and biceps. So uh, that was something that certainly attracted me to the idea of exercise and working out back then, uh, which, you know, was in the 90s. So uh, a kind of a different time from an accessibility perspective, but I certainly fell in love with fitness as a whole at a young age and was grateful to have a family, uh, you know, four siblings and a, and a mom and dad that took fitness and health uh, very serious and, and just, you know, getting outside and playing was something that we were constantly, uh, constantly doing when we were kids. Yeah. Pretty cool story, man. Okay. So um, first question I want to ask you is like, you were on the podcast about a year ago. Can you kind of, Paint a picture like for where you guys were at business-wise about a year ago. Yeah, so this was in the crux of COVID. And I'm pretty sure when we were on the pod, I was on the podcast last time, we were actually closed. Um, so in Canada, we, we went through three or four closures, like complete closures, where we had to completely close the, the gym facility down. Um, and I'm pretty sure when at that point in time, we were in one of those closures. So we were kind of playing around with some online stuff. Um, and, and I think at that time, we were back to doing some like outdoor fitness classes. Uh, but since then, since January 13th of 2022, uh, the doors kind of reopened for the, the, I guess, the last time you could say. And, and since then, COVID's just become, you know, less of a day-to-day -day conversation, obviously. So yeah. really when we, when we reopened the doors in January 13th, since then it's all been about getting back to uh, like this new normal. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have actually had a, lots of conversations with some gym, gym owners that are still, you know, working on recovering from COVID. 
So is there anything that you guys specifically did to kind of get you out and, you know, back up and running? It's a good question. I mean, I wouldn't even say that we're back. I mean, we're back up and running and, and our rev, our top line revenue is back to where it was before COVID. Like we grew, even though we were closed for the first 13 days of 2022, uh, we grew by about 7% over and above what we did in 2019. So I kind of 2020 and 2021, I don't even really necessarily use those numbers uh, anymore in any of my projections. So we did see some some growth this year um, with regards to our top line revenue, but we also, I mean, like everyone else, were impacted by inflation and added costs that came up um, due to COVID. Our growth really came through personal training, which uh, we had a lot of growth over the last year there, but also we, we did raise our membership pricing. Um, so pre-COVID, we were $149. And now today we're $179 plus tax. So we raised our, our membership pricing pretty substantially, um, like $30. So that kind of bridged the gap that we we kind of saw initially with uh, the decline in memberships post-COVID. Mm, okay. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Um, Pre-COVID, well, I guess we were still kind of in the midst of the pandemic. What were you guys doing for marketing and how has it evolved and changed now? So in full disclosure, I also own a marketing company um, and we actually weren't marketing at all. So when we were in the middle of COVID, um, I mean, the spending money on marketing wasn't really an option. It really just didn't make sense. Like we didn't know whether or not we were going into another lockdown or what was happening. So you know, when we look at the cost of acquiring a new client, it almost was, it just didn't really make sense to spend the money to get someone in the door to go back through a lockdown and kind of break those uh, ties with them in, 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 in that process. So we started remarketing again, um, pretty comfortably when we hit like March of this year, and we realized that you know, those lockdowns were behind us and that we probably weren't going to be going into any uh, future lockdowns in that same capacity, at least. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, out of all of the, because you own a marketing company, obviously, like, yeah. who would you say is like the most important <laughs> source? If you had to pick one and rely on only one, what is the most important lead generation source and why? So it's the, it's a great question. I love this question, actually, because it's changed and it's evolved so much due to COVID. So if you if we were to go back pre-COVID, social media advertising was on fire. Uh, I mean, if you go back to 2017, 2018, 2019, for anyone listening to this that was doing any social media advertising, you literally could do anything and just post it online and boost the post or strategically run some um, advertising on there. And people were just knocking at your door. We started playing obviously again with that February, March of this year. And our cost of acquisition was like four times that of what it was pre COVID uh, using just general social media uh, call to actions. So what we found to be kind of, 
grab that low hanging fruit right now, at least has been Google ads. We've been spending a lot more time with Google ads. I mean, I have this really interesting perception and probably, you know, due to the fact that we spend so much time thinking and talking to other clients about marketing, but, um, you know, if you put yourself in a, a customer's shoes today and you think about how much time that they're spending on social media and how much they're absorbing, they there's like a trust factor that's changed um, in social media more recently. And, and so I don't think that people are spending time on social media and, and kind of accepting that they're being advertised to. They're just kind of like swiping past it. Um, whereas with Google ads, those people are actually going into a search engine and, and looking for a gym. And so if, if we can, get in front of someone when they're actually looking for a gym, that person is way more likely, obviously, to convert. And so spending money on Google ads for us in the last eight months um, has been a really successful kind of like digital marketing approach for us. So what has that led to, like in terms of, I guess, opportunities for you or leads? Like within regards to numbers? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, of course, like say specifics, yeah. but would you say that it's been like a consistent, like a good amount of people like on a consistent basis leading to more not, growth in the gym? Yeah, not the same. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. We aren't getting the same volume of leads from uh, Google ads as what we were previously getting from like social media advertising. However, the quality of leads are really high. So our conversion rate is significantly better um, than what it was with in, in the social media world um, when we were doing that. So yeah, we're getting, um, we're acquiring a client for somewhere around a hundred to $200 uh, on Google ads. Okay. So I wanted to backtrack for you just for the people that maybe newbies that are listening, just got into the business ownership, thinking about owning a gym and your definition, what like lead quality, like, why is that important? Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest way to kind of think about this is kind of going back to how I was explaining Google ads is someone going into uh, uh, like a uh, Google, uh, uh, sorry, uh, onto Google and searching like gym near me because they are like a bottom of the funnel. So we classify them like essentially as a bottom of the funnel um, lead. They're mm -hmm. actually looking for that service. Whereas when you look at social media, a lot of our call to actions, we're targeting them at like the top of the funnel. So it's something that they're, you know, interested in, but they weren't necessarily ready to pull the trigger. Um, so that, that qualifying that lead was essentially like, I'm interested, but I don't know when I'm planning on joining the gym. I just like know that I need to at some point. So that was like our top of the funnel uh, lead. Whereas our bottom of the funnel was like, I want to join a gym today. What's close to me. And we find Google ads has done a very good job at specifically targeting those people that are ready to buy today. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. So let's say I'm in uh, Canada and you know, looking and I see one of your ads pop up on Google. Yep. What happens like after that? Does it take me to a website to fill out a form? 
It's exactly what it does. So it drops you to our website. We use UpLaunch, um, which is like our CRM software. Um, and so when you get to our, our form, you basically provide us your name, your email address, and ideally you book in for a free no sweat consult immediately. Um, okay. And if you don't book into the consult, you at least head into our, our campaign funnel. So you'll start getting automated emails trying to get you to book in for a consult or to essentially come try a free class. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after I come in for the no sweat consult or the free class, um, what's after that? Like, do you have a sales team? Are you doing the selling or who's closing the deal? Yeah. So we have a sales team. Um, we have one person dedicated to sales. Uh, ideally, if it's coming in for like a no sweat consult, she'll be able to close that sale immediately on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, she'll basically provide them a tour of the facility and then sit down and talk about goals and objectives and, and then go through any objections that that individual might be having and, uh, and sign them up either for personal training or for our class programs. Now, if someone comes in for a free, like, class trial, um, this kind of falls back onto our coaching team a little bit. And, uh, you know, our receptionist at the front will initially uh, provide a tour for the individual as they come in and set them up with the coach who's going to be coaching the class. And ideally, if they show up when they're supposed to, which they've been communicated by email to come 15 minutes early, mm -hmm. um, then the coach will kind of take them through the workout before he does or she does uh, with the entire group and gets gives them an opportunity to like run on the air runner and try a skier and jump on an echo bike and you know try some of the equipment out before class begins once the class is done we have a little coupon that sits in the coach's um kind of cubby um in the room and the coach is then take is supposed to take one of those coupons and give it to the uh, free drop-in and it's a coupon for a 15 percent off their first month membership and so then ideally how the process should work is that the coach will bring that individual either down to our sales representative um, or to our receptionist um, uh, front desk staff, and they'll hopefully convert that person into a, a membership there and on that spot. If not, then there's a follow-up process that goes into place with our sales representative from there. Very nice. So for the people that don't necessarily sign up for a gym membership, like you still have a process of nurturing that person. Yeah, they end up in UpLaunch is a really cool platform. There's a number of platforms similar to this, but UpLaunch allows you to build out um, strategically a, like a hundred day campaign. Mm -hmm. And it's just an automated email campaign that we have set up so that if you end your sale process at this point in time, you get put into this campaign and that campaign is ideally set up to lead you down the road of either coming in for another free class at some point or uh, getting in for a, you know, getting in for a consult or, uh, or providing just enough value to get you interested in pulling the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. So next step of the process, client retention. We spoke about this earlier and you guys have a percentage that is very well below the, the industry average, which is about 10%. Um, kind of talk to our listeners about what's been working for you when it comes to client retention, keeping your clients for long periods of time. Well, do you know, like, I know this is a lot of questions, but do you know, um, 
Like what's the average length of time that somebody will stay with you? 2.7 years. Seven years. That's awesome. Two, no, 2.7. Oh, <laughs> I would like seven. it to be seven. <laughs> okay. So 2.7 years. It's yeah. a long time. Um, it is. What has been working for you guys? Yeah. So we actually call it PEP, which uh, stands for Pursuing Excellence Through Performance. Okay. And one of our uh, coaches is kind of like, he's part-time coach. And then he's essentially part-time um, pep, what we call pep coach, but essentially he's our retention guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a number of processes or procedures that he has in his playbook in order to ensure that our attrition stays as low as it is, which is you know ideally around 3%. But the primary basis to it is each week, and we use Zen Planner as our, our member um, solution software, and each week he pulls a report. Um, and based on the report, it highlights any members who have not been in the gym in the last seven days. And so those members get flagged. Now, he will then reach out to those members, either by email, text, or through a phone call, depending on kind of what the preferred method of communication is with that specific client, which we typically find out early in their um, kind of as they begin their membership. And he just reaches out just like with an open-ended question. Like, is there anything that we can do to help you? Like, you've been MIA for seven days. Are you sick? Are you injured? Are you away on vacation? Because if we get, if we know one of those three things, or are you just, you know, are you just lazy and, you know, you haven't been back in the gym and you just need to kick in the butt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if someone's hurt, then it gives us an opportunity to talk about how we can modify workouts for them or refer them to, you know, a physio or Cairo that we trust that will get them back into action. If they're sick, you know, it gives us the ability to have a conversation around, you know, those first couple workouts back and easing back into it or talking about hydration and nutrition and providing value when they're not in the gym. The, The other thing we flag is, Uh, what we consider a low attending member. So if you have only been in the, if you've been in the gym seven or less times in the last 30 running days, then we also flag you. And the conversation's similar. We do a reach out um, to try to basically do some digging as like, what's preventing you from getting into the gym more frequently? What can we do to kind of assist you through that process? Um, And it just provides us an opportunity to ultimately educate, but, um, at the end of the day, some people, as they kind of go through their journey, need a little bit of accountability. And, and that's yeah. essentially what we're doing. Absolutely. So that's the foundation of our PEP program. The other side, which I think is important, um, is when you kind of look at the lifetime value of a client, which for us is about 2.7 years. If we can get a client past the three-month mark, then mm-hmm. the likelihood that they stay the 2.7 years is significantly higher. So like once we get them past three months, they stay. And in knowing that, the other thing that he does through that process of PEP is he reaches out to our new members. So we have like a um, like a business intelligence sheet that we essentially use and we track within that um, everyone like when they joined and like any notes and information that we possibly can um, pull out of them um, to help help us better serve them. But in those initial weeks, we'll do strategic reach outs 
um, to try to keep them engaged and make sure that they understand of all the different opportunities and options that we provide within the gym. And, uh, you know, one of those, which I think is exceptionally valuable for any um, in-person facility is, is upcoming events. So this is what gets me really excited, I guess, of what's happening now that COVID's kind of behind us. But when we pre-COVID and, and kind of like now um, post-COVID, we like to run, you know, in-house competitions. We have what we call learning series, which is like educational events and then community events. So more of like social member get-togethers. Um, but oftentimes people need a push initially. And uh, so those new members will strategically reach out to them and be like, hey, you know, this Saturday we have, you know, our next learning series, which we have X, Y, Z, it's on this topic. And we have these people coming in, um, you know, for the discussion, we'd love for you to come. We've got coffee and blah, blah, blah. So like, we kind of like try to push those people to get them to feel included within the community early in their journey. And mm -hmm. so that PEP, what we call PEP, but that process kind of has a few different things that I think are unique and really uh, help us with a, not just like retaining clients, but keeping, well, ultimately with retaining clients, keeping that attrition rate really low. Absolutely. So my question, next question for you is, do you think that any of this would be possible without having established a system? And no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think that's one of the things like, you know, as being a part of gym launch, um, we learned that these systems were so crucial. And especially, you know, you might be able to think that you can keep track of all that stuff in the early days, which, yeah. you know, when you've got a hundred members, absolutely. You, you know, everybody by name, you know, like you've got two coaches maybe on the team and, you know, that's what you do all day. But as you grow and like, when you start surpassing 200, 300 members, um, the, there has to be a process in place to keep track of all of this and uh, and you need to have people dedicated to like these positions on the team. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I wanted to kind of pull that answer out of you is because I run into a lot of gym owners that they want to grow, but their thing is like, I don't want to sacrifice the quality of my service. And I yeah. think that with the right systems in place, you can help a lot more people and still provide your members with a very like high quality service. What do you think? I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it gives you the ability to spend more of your time doing higher level uh, business operational capacity. I mean, you know, training coaches is a good example of that. So like if you can free up your time from those, you know, more simple mundane tasks, it mm -hmm. allows you to spend more time coaching and developing your team. And, yeah. uh, and the, more of that I think you can do, the more um, consistent of a product that you're going to be able to provide to, to your consumer. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. So Dave, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. Really good chat today, by the way. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so 
I mean, Instagram, they can find us. Our handle is just Blended Athletics um, or on our website, www.blendedathletics.com. And uh, you can find me personally on Instagram at David J. Rafuse. All righty. Well, Dave, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. So thanks, Emily. You're welcome. To everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lawrence out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.